Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne Asada is one of our favorite people. He is Rob Bradford. He covers the Red Sox for WEEI 93.7 FM. He is also the host of the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast. And he's also the man that always wears the Bleed Lows podcast hat. <laughs> if you guys see us sharing on social media, uh, it is legit love. Uh, Rob, ¿cómo estás, amigo? Oh, God, it's so good to see you all and, and uh yeah, like I was just telling you, it's my favorite hat, man. Like, it, it, this is what I found. You can make – I found with professional athletes mostly, as, as you guys probably have as well. If you make a good quality item, they're going to wear it. And if this so <laughs> happens to say your podcast on it, even better. So, well played because I think that the vast majority of baseballs and boring podcasts have had this hat uh donning my head they're why doing it so hey, but but i see people were uh, hanging on uh, holding up your shirts all the time the baseball isn't boring right shirt. i mean exactly point taken i mean the the fact is you think these guys need an extra t-shirt no like but but they're like it's free number one and then they put it on it's a good shirt just like it's a good hat you guys gave me a nice shirt too if it's good, like they're gonna wear it, and and by the way, with baseballs and boring, they pretend to like the message. So Justin Turner, <laughs> right? Justin Turner goes out, and I think he did it like one day, and he goes out to take infield with the baseballs and boring shirt on, and I think it was because I like, I took like a million photos, like like oh there it is, and then he probably like shifted to another ball. But Kike Hernandez last year, Kike Hernandez, this is another example. If a guy, if these guys, you guys probably have the same thing. If these guys get gear that they like, they'll wear it out. Kiki Hernandez every single day in spring training last year. He didn't know me hardly at all, you know. It, it like, but I put the the shirt on his chair every day. Baseball's and boring every single day. <laughs> there it is. One of the things I left out, and it was not on purpose. I, I did this by design. He is also the author of the best damn near perfect book I've read called A Damn Near Perfect Game, Reclaiming America's Pastime. He wrote this with the ambassador, Joe Kelly, 
Rob, I got to ask you this. You, you know, a lot of our viewers, our listeners got the book when you guys were on the show and plugging it. But the last time the ambassador, Joe Kelly, was on the show, I asked him, hey, how's the book doing? And in typical Joe Kelly fashion, I don't know. So, Rob, how is the book doing? Uh, it's doing great. And thank you for asking. But, you know, if Joe doesn't know because I haven't told him. <laughs> and, you know, it's, 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 there's so many things to pick through. Number one, it, to do a book as an active player is, you know, forget about even the words that you're putting in there. But then the promotion of it and everything else that come with it, it's it's I give Joe just like so much credit in so many ways. But it's um that do the book's doing well. And but honestly, guys, most importantly for me, and I think most importantly for Joe too, is that it was received like I think universally the way that we wanted it to be received. And when you're an active player, as I said, you do a book, you're putting yourself out there. And a lot of I was bracing myself to be honest with you. The Houston people, are you kidding me? Like I was ready. I'm like, is oh. that why you didn't go to Houston? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. So here's Joe had the idea. This is no lie. So the White Sox open up in Houston this year, the opening day. Joe was going to send books to them to put in their lockers. <laughs> so, no. I think, I think someone talked about of it, but it's um, but it's it's just it's been the the reaction to it has been like so rewarding, and um, it, it's just been cool because it is as you guys know it's it's sort of it's not a cookie cutter book you know right. it's not like here's the Joe Kelly story or it's not a cookie cutter book we you, we try to do something creative. And um and so you, you're putting yourself out there. So yeah, I think it's, it's been it's been as Joe said, man. Like it's been great. It's been a good experience. How has the reaction been towards you? Because one of the things I've learned, Rob, is when you're in those clubhouses, in those dugouts, a lot of these players have this us versus them mentality. And I get it because there are some members of the media. I don't want to sit there or going to say they're, they're, they have gotcha questions or they're out to make you look bad. But some of them are critical. So when you co-author a book like that, do players look at you a little bit differently and be like, hey, man, are you cool or are you trying to use me? No, well, I think the, the good thing is that I think that Joe is liked by the majority of people that I run into. And some I don't know, right? I said, hey, you know, I just spoke with Joe Kelly. I don't know. I don't know if 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 somebody if Julio Rodriguez likes Joe Kelly. I don't he probably doesn't even know him. But you know, I, I have so many people, and I think that that's a testament to Joe, where you guys know Joe. I mean, he's I think that he is a guy who, you know, he's polarizing, but at the same time, he does things the right way. I mean, you noticed with the White Sox stuff was going down. Joe didn't say anything, right? That was smart, you know. And but when he comes to defending his teammates, he'll always defend his teammates. Now, you know, I'll say this: I, you know, Carlos Correa, who, as you guys know, is one of the a couple of people who don't, you know, who Joe goes after a little bit. <laughs> yeah, is you know, I, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't given him a book. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Hey, Carlos, don't read this, but here, can you pose with this book? But at, at the same time, um, I think, like I said, you, I think so many people that I've run into really have great stories about Joe. Um, you know, I have guys who said, oh, yeah, Joe Kelly, 
you know, he gave me my headphones when I was a minor leaguer. He bought me headphones. He did this or he did that. Yeah, he's crazy, but, you know, he's a really good guy. And, you know, of course, then you have guys like Kenley Jansen who, you know, comes in. I don't know Kenley at all, when I, but I go up to him. They did this book with Joe. He's like, oh, I love the Kellys. I love the Kellys. And we've, and you know, that doesn't hurt. You talk about that relationship. That certainly doesn't hurt where um, you have, you know, I go to the all-star game. I said, Kelly, I get a favor. Can, you know, you have to sit there for 45 minutes and do the media availability. Can you put the book on your table the whole time? <laughs> so he said, yeah. And then it lasted five minutes, but still I took a picture <laughs> and it seemed that way. So, um, and another quick story was funny. Uh, in spring training, we went out uh, to Arizona and uh, I went over to Joe's house with his wife, Ashley, and his kids to have dinner. And he's asking me about, you know, how the Dodgers guys are there. I said, oh, good, good. And again, like it's spring training. I don't really know these guys. And so he calls up uh, Justin Turner um, and uh, on, on um, yeah, uh, he calls him up and, and FaceTimes him. And so he has the phone and I'm behind the phone. So I say, hey, hey, picks up. He's like, hey, how's that Boston media treating you? He's like, and Turner goes, oh, good, but but your guy keeps trying to give me books, man. <laughs> and I'm standing there like if Joe flips the camera. <laughs> so, so to answer your question, for the most part, it's good, but it, you know, you just never, never know. Well, it's funny when you said, he, you know, Joe is polarizing. I'm curious as to what the reaction was around baseball. That at bat against Tatis, I thought it was just a beautiful job of pitching. But, of course, anybody just focuses on the fact that Joe being Joe turns around and says, fucking bitch, right? So, of course, everybody loses their fucking mind saying, oh, Joe's so disrespectful that he was headhunting. It was like, guys. That was a beautiful p- pitching sequence. He busted him inside, and then he threw this ridiculously filthy pitch on the outside corner that came in and caught it. But because Joe Kelly, he's got the pouty face. He's a guy who just doesn't care. How did the rest of Major League Baseball look at that sequence? Well, I, I think it's, it's it's the perfect Joe moment, right? Where yeah, like we have people in Houston saying, "Oh, you know, whatever," saying whatever they're going to say, which is fine. But it's, I think in that case, it wasn't like, that wasn't like as um, overt as the pouty face or a lot of other things Joe have done, right? Right. That was, the camera just caught him. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like it's something, you know, and to, to sort of use the book as an example, you know, we use jumping off points like like the pouty face or, or other, or the fights or whatever to say, this is how you would act in an AU game. This is how you would act in summer league. This is how you would act if you were just playing with your guys. And, you know, if you're, if you're going against a travel ball team, which you may be, you know, competing against, maybe you don't like, I don't know. You strike them out. You say, Oh, bitch, you know, it's like, (laughs) that's what you do. The camera just caught them. But, but, but this is, you know, it, it just, it just, it just lends itself, which, by the way, like, it is amazing because I live in – I shouldn't say but I don't want to say I live and die with, like, every every white size game, every Dodgers game Joe pitches in. But, you know, I, I have skin in the game. And so I'm doing the broadcast for the Red Sox, and Joe's pitching. So now this is sort of my worst nightmare because I, I have to pretend like, hey, you know, I, you know, this isn't, this isn't a big deal, but it is. 
So Joe's pitching, and I don't know if you guys saw this. He's pitching, and then out of nowhere, he sprints off the mound into the dugout. Like, no umpires come out, no coaches come out. He just, out of nowhere, sprints to the mound. And everyone was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, what, what is happening? And, like, everyone's like, is the, like here we go. Here's Joe. And, uh, and, yeah, I'm like, yeah. But this is, this is all this stuff that we're talking about. This is, I hate to say it, but this is why I did the book with him, along <laughs> with being a great guy and a great voice, is because he doesn't care about what you think. And, and, and he does, he, but he, to me, guys, he does it in a good way. Like a lot of people say, you know, I don't care what you think and are, are assholes or yeah. are bad teammates. Well, I don't think he's either. And, and that is to me, like, that's a rare guy. Absolutely. So we wanted to have Brad Fro on the show because he knows the Red Sox better than everybody. The Dodgers are going to Boston this weekend. And, of course, all we're going to be talking about is reunions. So let me start one by one here, Brad Fro. I think the biggest one is Mookie because Mookie said this earlier that he thought he was going to play his whole career in Boston. And now this is the first time he's going to Boston now as the visiting player. What do you expect to happen when Mookie shows up in Fenway this weekend? Well, first of all, it costs a ton of money to buy the billboard saying "Thank you for Connor Wong, Dodgers." <laughs> you know? uh, but it, it's it's this has been circled on everybody's calendar, um, and you know. So I went last year in June. That we no one really had talked to Mookie about the Boston stuff for whatever reason because of pandemic and whatever. So I was in Chicago. The Dodgers are there. I talked to Mookie. And the thing that I was struck by when talking to him was how sort of nervous he was about going back, about the reception and or this reception overall, how people are perceiving him in Boston. And I said, Mookie, like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I, I think everyone loves you. Now, I came to understand that a lot of people say, oh, you didn't take the contract. You didn't stay with the Red Sox, whatever. You were never going to stay. But to answer your question, I, I think – that he's going to get a huge ovation because you win a world series. It changes everything, right? So if you don't win a world series and you're a good player, eh, but if you win a world series and you're a big part of that, it changes everything. And I also feel like there's enough room for interpretation about, well, did he want to stay or didn't he want to stay? Like, let's just put this in the past, man. Like he was a great player for the Red Sox. He's a great player now. He's coming back here, and that's what, like, everybody should understand. And I, th- I think they will. I think Fenway, the people at Fenway will appreciate him. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's <laughs> – the Red Sox made a mistake. I mean, there's no quite you, – you can't trade a Hall of Famer in my eyes, but it is what it is. And he's coming back, and, and, uh, and we should celebrate him. So uh, let me ask you this, Bradford. It, what, did it just come down to that? Is it the Red Sox panicked? They thought, look, we're not going to be, re, uh, we're not going to resign him, so let's get something for him. I mean, because I look not only at Mookie, but I look at Freddie Freeman, and I keep asking myself, how did the Braves not resign this guy? How did the Red Sox trade this dude away? Like, what happened there? Yeah, I think. Well, I can't speak to Freddie Freeman, but with Mookie, I think what it came down to is that. They offer, made an offer. Obviously, it was low. Mookie at that time, you have to remember, 
Everyone thought it was going to be close to $400 million. Everyone thought it was going to be close to Trout. That was what he wanted. Now, whether that was it was that high, I don't know. But there was such a difference. And and this is the thing what I said with Otani. I'm like, well, they, for the Angels, the blueprint's simple. You give what you bet, think is going to be your best offer. If you think he's going to take it, then you keep him. If you don't, you trade him. And I think the same thing with Mookie. And now the Red Sox didn't make a good enough offer. So, But they came to the conclusion that they were not going to be able to sign him. Now, what happened after they traded him was the pandemic hit. I think that everybody thought the business of baseball was going to go down. So that number of $400 million went to, what, 365 And which is, so everyone's like, oh, it was only 365 I think it was, it's different. But I think the Red Sox, and looking back, Bloom had just taken over. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately. So you come in, you have your to-do list, and they can say what they want about there was no mandate to trade Mookie Betts. But I still think that was part of the, the, the inevitable equation. So I think that he came in. Now looking back, should you have said, hey, you know what? This guy is worth signing. There's not a lot of guys. I say this, guys. You don't run isolations for outfielders, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> you run isolations for Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts. You know, those are, those are the sort of guys. So let me ask you this. Will Red Sox fan lose their mind if Mookie goes into the Hall of Fame as a Dodger and not a Red Sox? No, no I, think it's, I think it's sort of a foregone conclusion. I think, I think everybody here with, around the Red Sox understand – like this is gonna be this is gonna be a negative thing on the organization. And Alex Verdugo is a fine player. Connor Wong's become a major league catcher. Great, but this is a Hall of Famer. And by the end of the day, you're gonna have Mookie spending more years with the Dodgers than he will with the Red Sox, and probably you know, <laughs> almost certainly winning more World Championships. So yeah, I think people have come to that re- reality. Uh, and it sucks, man. It sucks because as you guys see every day, like Mookie is like a, such a unique player. But I will say this too: like I'm happy for Mookie because he he's landed in a spot where it's just perfect, man. Like I look, we talk about Joe. Like I'm happy for Joe because holy crap, the trade deadline couldn't worked out any more better for him for a ton of reasons. But I'm happy for Mookie because. This how how the place that he landed was so perfect in so many ways, including the opportunity to show his personality on the at, at the level that he wanted to bit by bit by bit. In other words, he didn't have to come in and be, oh, you have to be the star of the town. You didn't have to do the podcast till three years in, right? right. So there, I think it's good for him. You know, I I talked to him a few weeks ago and I asked him about the podcast, you know, and he kept saying to me, he's like, you know, people don't get to see baseball players personalities because they they play every day. And I'm like, I don't know, man, there's there's a lot of baseball players that you can see their personalities. It's what you guys choose to to show us. But when he came to L.A., like when the All-Star game was at Dodger Stadium and he wore that shirt saying that, you know, he wants to see more African-Americans playing baseball. Did he exhibit any of these qualities in Boston and he just he just kept it under wraps? No, I think I think it's it was just an evolving thing. It's a good question, though. And I remember him talking to him after Ortiz left and 
and he said he admitted that year 2017 he's like we didn't realize how important having that one voice that everything got passed through was and that was Ortiz and Mookie wasn't ready to be that guy and he didn't need to be that guy for most of his time in Boston now you know I know this has been written about that the when he spoke up at the um in spring training like at the, when he first got to LA like and now listen th- this isn't me talking this is my co-author talking, all right? He, came up, he called it cringeworthy. In a nice, he's obviously great friends with Mookie. Yeah. He loves Mookie. He's like one of his favorite teammates. But I think even at that time, it was like, okay, Mookie's trying to be this guy. It's still a work in progress. And I absolutely think he got there. So to answer your question, whether it's that T-shirt, whether it's the charity, whether it's the – the, the entertainment stuff, whether it's the confidence to have a podcast, that just would never have happened in Boston because he was, you know, 28 years old at most. So, yeah, it's uh, – but the podcast, I heard him say, like, I, I don't know, like you said about the podcast. Yeah. At the, all, at the All-Star game, good <laughs> the All-Star game, I asked him, I say, well, you know, how have you changed? He's like, well, I didn't have a podcast. Okay. Right. Okay, we're gonna publicize the podcast. Here we go. And and so he's like, yeah, you know, he said the same thing he said to you, which was that you know it's just different. It's it's just different because you have you know people asking the questions who know what it's like to be sitting there in the same seat as the other person. And I get that, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I like that he's doing a podcast. But to to defend our great honor of a podcasters, I think we could all have good conversations no matter how much money. <laughs> good point. Good point, Rob. Hey, I want to ask you real quick because another, I, I, the game just ended and Geeka said he was looking forward to going to Boston. There's a lot of people that he loved over there. Can you talk to me about the Geeka experience? Because... You know, when he left L.A., there was a lot of people that are like, look, the guy wants to play any, every day. I don't blame him if he can go get money and he can go play every day because with the Dodgers, he's not going to play every day. You know, you have my blessing. Go, go and find it. Now, when he was in Boston, did what you guys discover was this dude is just not an everyday player. What was the Kike experience like in Boston and what is he re- returning to? Um, I'll, I'll answer the last part first. I think he's returning to, okay. You know, I mean, honestly, (laughs) honestly, yeah. I mean, Ryan Brazier was raked over the coals here, right? For keeping on the 40 man roster. Yeah. Having an ERA over seven, but, but there is an element with Ryan Brazier that he helped them win a world series. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan uh, – this is weird to say. Maybe not. A bit, I wouldn't be surprised if not the same ovation, even a bigger ovation than Kike. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the problem is, too, is that it wasn't that long ago where Kike was perceived as part, part of the problem and part of the solution this year. Now, understand, like you could talk about being an everyday player. He was an everyday player. Now, he became an everyday player almost by accident. He was going to be the everyday second baseman. Alex Cora said he was the best defensive second baseman in the majors in spring training, and then he became one of the best defensive center fielders and helped that team tremendously make that run to the to the ALCS. 
But it's, it's always the, what, what have you done for me lately? What's the last thing that we saw? And, and really, you know, I can say that about Ryan Brazier, but like Ryan Brazier wasn't in the spotlight as much as Kike. Kike Hernandez was supposed to be the starting shortstop. Kike Hernandez was going to get his chance to be the everyday guy replacing Xander Bogarts, and it just didn't work out. Again, another guy who thankfully he's landed in a perfect spot. Good for him. But um, you know, I think he'll get I think he'll get a decent applause. But I think Mook, you know, Mookie, JD, even though he's on the IL. You know, those guys would get bigger applauses. I, I want you brought up Brazier. I wanted to ask you about Brazier because Brazier told us that the Dodgers, of course, had told him, hey, you're really good with this pitch. We want to see you throw this pitch more. Is that just the difference with the Dodgers and every other team in Major League Baseball? Is the, the scouting? Because, you know, Yancy Almonte told us the same thing that when he came over, they told him, hey, you're not throwing your sinker enough. Like, your sinker's really good. Go back to the sinker. Like, how do you go from having a sick, an over six ERA to now just being probably one of the most trusted people in that bullpen? It's incredible. Like, and, and I think it's, I think that Brazier is a perfect example that before him, the first time I was introduced to it was with Joe. When Joe was a free agent, I remember him saying that he had this three-hour meeting with Friedman, and they were breaking down. Remember, they had just come off the postseason. They were breaking down. We see this in you. We see that in you. We think if you do this and you do that, you'll be better. Now, flash forward to Brazier. Brazier was extreme where, you know, and he he came on uh, our podcast and he he might have told you guys, he said, I signed with them. They sent me to Arizona for 10 days. They told me to learn a pitch that I have never thrown in my life, cutter. And next thing you know, I'm throwing it. And there it is. And that's incredible to me. That's like, that's amazing. Yeah. But to your point, I think this is what, it, this is what happens. And, and Joe, you know, I asked Joe when, after he was traded, um, and he said, I said, okay, well, what was it then? And he described how they were going to change his breaking ball a little bit. Well, whatever they did, I know he hasn't pitched a lot, but he's been really good too. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, well, the, by the way, what a, that, was the, that was one of the more wild podcasts that I did in recent memory when uh, Brazier came on and it was, we're in the middle of it. And that's when the Joe and uh, Lance Lynn trade. I yeah. said, hey, Ryan, you got to, you got to, um, you got new teammates. It's like, who? It's like, uh, Joe, Joe Kelly and Lance Lee. He's like, no shit. We got the band back together. And then like five minutes later, I say, hold on, Ryan. I got a call. It was Joe. Because I texted him and Joe's like, what's going on? I said, well, he, it says you were traded. He's like, I haven't heard anything. What's going on? I'm like, I'm in the middle of doing a podcast with Ryan Brazier. And of course, I'm so technologically inept. I'm trying to like patch them together and hold them in like, like, <laughs> yeah. It's so, uh, but I know this is that there is a deep respect for those 2018 guys. And JD Martinez said this and Ryan Brazier said it as well, said this Dodgers team reminds them so much of that 2018 team, which by the way, isn't a bad thing if you win 118 games. So you mentioned JD. So JD right now has got this growing thing. He's got this abductor thing. I know that towards the end of last year, people were saying it's kind of the same thing that he was dealing with last year. Last year, it ended a season, right? Well, he's had a back 
the back thing, right? Is that what it is? The back? Well, uh, th- nobody knows. Every day we get a different update. Like, it's he's got a growing. Okay, well, if he's got a growing thing, then shut him down. They finally put him on the IL. Yeah. But now he's talking about an abductor. And it seems like he has to go through this whole process of, I don't know, Tai Chi or whatever, just to play a game. Like, they're not even going to play him in day games anymore because that seems to aggravate it. Like, this guy is a difference maker. This guy is a hitting machine. Like, what is the best approach? Do you just completely shut him down? Just wait for the play? Like, wait until the last week of the season, activate him, get him some at-bats, and get him ready for the playoffs? Yeah, it seems like that's, you know, with the way the Dodgers are at, that might be not the last week, but something. You wait a while. And so with JD, he had the biggest thing was his back, always his back, and and he had talked at the end of the year last year about how not playing in the field like that hadn't helped matters because he had a hard time getting loose and everything else. But obviously he was having a great year with the Dodgers and figuring a lot of things out. But um, you know, I, I, he's the type of guy where he could, you know, not a lot of guys can pick it up and just be good. But he, he's smart enough where he can figure it out. It's really interesting, the J.D. conversation, because J.D. obviously was here up until the second half of last year. He was great. But, um, you know, the Justin Turner versus J.D. conversation is a very interesting one. I, very and interesting. I, you took me right there. I know you've spoken glowingly. How is the Justin Turner uh, uh, experience going for you guys? Because if you compare their numbers – it, it, it's almost identical uh, the production that you're getting. Yeah, I think that I think that it's Justin Turner is undoubtedly a better fit for the Red Sox. This that's not even a question, and that's not a knock on JD. That's just because Justin Turner they need a guy who can play in the field. They've needed a guy who can play in the field, and also I do think there was an element of the type of leadership that Justin Turner gave hit the hit the sweet spot with this Red Sox team. You know, J.D. was a leader in his own way. He liked to talk about hitting with guys. Justin Turner is a reason why he stands next to Alex Cora so much. Because, and Alex Cora said this. He's like, I've never, during a game, talked about strategy with a player until I started doing it with J.T. And so, and for me, you know, and shame on me, but he's just a better player than I realized. Like, he's just a really good player. Across the board, including, like, he's the guy that if if you have a guy at second in the seventh inning, he's going to get him home. So, uh, yeah, so he's been a perfect fit. And it's amazing how valuable he is, a 38-year-old guy, how valuable he is to this team. He To me, he's he might be the most valuable guy in the Red Sox right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I saw one of your tweets where you were comparing him, and not necessarily in terms of how they are in players, but in terms of how clutch to to Big Poppy. Yeah. Yeah, I said, I haven't had that feeling. And this isn't like, and I went back and looked, you know, at the numbers. And it, it, they were sort of backed it up. But it, my, my point is that when David Ortiz played, I never seen a, a player more clutch than him. Never. Ever. I got, if you needed something done, I mean, the guy... The guy, he hit a grand slam at a time where in order to save your season, you needed to hit a grand slam. Like, 
You had no other option. You got to hit a grand slam here, David. Okay, I hit a grand slam. So I've never seen a player like that. And that's how it – I don't remember having that feeling with a player close until Turner. Now, I went back and looked in J.D. in 2018, close and late and all that. I mean, maybe I, – I, I'm probably just forgetting how good he was. But I'll just say this, is that the J.D. 2008 season aside, absolutely. I'll stick by that. Turner's the clutchest player I've seen. And have the Red Sox fans taken to him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but here's the problem is that, you know, that he's – the team is sort of you know, in this weird spot. So it's it's not like Turner is the star. And so we, I've heard – I just was listening to someone talk about this, that Turner is undeniably the leader of this team. Not even question. They can say it's Rafi Devers' team. It's not. It's Justin Turner's team. The problem is – He's on a basically a one-year contract with an option for the second year. He's 38 years old. Like, this is the point. This is, goes back to the Mookie thing. you got to start finding guys who are going to be around, who are going to be absolute leaders of this team, be the Justin Turners. Because as good as Justin Turner is, you can't do this forever. So uh, right now, I mean, I mean, what's there not to like about Justin Turner, really, right? Uh, I, I want to ask you about Kenley Jansen because I always see him with the baseball isn't boring mic, yeah. dropping the mic. How has I, you know, you look at his numbers, Rob, and I, I kind of feel like this dude, maybe this guy doesn't get the due that he deserves. I mean, he has over 400 saves. I mean, he keeps playing like he's he's got the numbers where he's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer, right? Before I. Yeah, let me ask you this, though, because I'm genuinely interested. What was the perception of Kenley there? That uh, every time – I'll let Babyface ha- answer this, Babyface. Go ahead and give them – every time Jansen came into the game, I think uh, there was a lot of uh, butt-clinching going on, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's this is going to go left real quick. Go ahead, Babyface. Yeah, I guess towards the end of his tenure here, it got to that point, like – Okay, Kenley's in. Okay, you better hold on because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, this is a, it, it's a tight game. It's a one-run game. He's going to blow it. And I don't know why it was that perception. Like, it, it would happen, you know, every once – like a reliever, right? A, a closer is going to blow it every once in a while, right? But for some reason, they, the fans kind of thought this was happening every single time, and it wasn't, which is I, I feel is unjust because it wasn't happening. I mean, I guess – they try and come, look back to the 2017, right, where he had his best season with the Dodgers, and I guess they were kind of always kind of holding him up to that standard, mm. and maybe he never reached it in in the you know the end of the, his tenure with the Dodgers. Rob, it's, I think the 2020 World Series had a lasting effect. The fact that they had to go to Urias to close out that World Series because they they couldn't trust him anymore. I, I think that image stayed with a lot of Dodger fans. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think your, your guys' perception is really interesting and great um, because, you know, I, I can only go by this. Like, so I, I asked people in Atlanta about him, um, and it was like, yeah, same sort of stuff. And even, even the weird thing is, like, uh, he might have some problems if he blows saves with the media, this and that. I can tell you guys, like, that has been completely not even close to the case. 
Like this, we talk about Turner being a leader. Kelly's been like one of the leaders of the pitching staff. He has taken guys who have had bad outings, and you see them after the game, take them to the video room, sit at their locker with them. And and then he's been good. He's been good. Now, I will say this. I think he did change some things. I think, as he said, he talked about valuing flexibility more. He's throwing harder now, which is a big thing. I mean, he threw 98-mile-an-hour cutters in Atlanta for his 400 save. That was crazy. So he's been good. Um, so that's a big part of it. Um, but I, I, I just think that – and also mentally, because you talk about you talk about the, um, the 2020 World Series – He's very open about how he had to go to therapy for it, right? After that. And and first of all, I when someone starts being that open, I believe them. Yeah. I'm tending to believe that whatever they're saying is actually true. And then I actually do think that it has taken root. So um yeah, I mean I've just as you can tell, like I I do a lot of stuff with him. Because yeah. it's fun to do. I mean, it's like the mic drop. I'm like, here, Kenley, here's my mic. Drop it, you know? <laughs> I mean, because it's just, he's just been a good guy to be around. And honestly, on this team, he's been absolutely top three guy to talk to. I'm I'm curious if you got any of this because Babyface, uh, do you, I think he got a lot of grief out here. He blew a save and they asked him after the game and he was just like, who cares? He literally said, who cares? And I feel like a lot of Dodger fans associated that mentality with this is a guy who doesn't want it bad. He doesn't want it bad enough. And that's why he blows saves. So I, I, when he came back to Dodger Stadium for the first time with the Bravos, half of the fans were booing him. Really? Yeah. And wow. that's just one of those things where it's like, I get it, guys. Maybe the ending wasn't that great, but. He's your all-time saves leader. We can't act like this dude was garbage. Before, yeah. But it's those lasting images, and, you know, it's the reason why fans are fans, right? But I, I, I'm glad that you guys – because he does seem like he is a dude. And let's not forget, the guy had a huge medical condition that I yeah. think he still struggles with, right? I've never – guys, I've never seen anyone work out as hard as he does. Now – it's crazy. Like before games, I'm like, what are you doing? Like how what like how how do you have any energy to actually play in a baseball game? It's really and everyone has said the same thing. It's it's a, I I don't all the stuff that you're saying and all the stuff that I've witnessed, I don't know if it's just the maturation of a player. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just know that that this is a guy who who has how he's landed in Boston, um it's been it's been a really really good fit, and and that shocks me that he was that he was booed. But you know, that's that's, that's too bad too because I know that he loves the Dodgers. He loves those guys. You know, he, he was he's very proud of showing us his house on Zillow, which is in the <laughs> L.A. area. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it's it's uh yeah it's just, it's it's just, it's it's just all these names, man. Like, isn't it crazy? It's, it's crazy. Th- th- this is why I'm saying it's just going to be a reunion this weekend. The the last one I wanted to ask you, and it's just uh, I'm just I have no clue what's going on, but is there drama with Verdugo over there in Boston? <laughs> Depends which day. <laughs> I mean, so, honestly, it's. That's a tough one. 
Because, yes, there has been drama with Verdugo. He's been benched twice. One time, um, I can't remember what it's for. The second time, it was because he was late, relatively late. For, for you know, like late is like, you're supposed to show up four hours, you show up two hours. That's what it was reported. Um, and so I will say this, though. He's a far better player this year than he was last year. He got in better shape. Um, I do think, again, it's sort of he's he's maturing a little bit. Is he maturing fast enough for them to keep him around next year? I don't think so. You know, I think they'll probably trade him in the offseason. But he's a good player, and he's a guy also who, for all his flaws, I if, if the postseason comes around, he's a guy I would want on my team. Yeah, I think he likes the big moment. But it's just, you know, you talk about drama, it's just this is – and that was the unfortunate thing. The last time he was benched, it was the most important time of the year. It was the the first game of the Blue Jays series, and he's benched, and that was just – so it's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. And, and there's always going to be the Mookie thing hanging over his head. I mean, let's be honest, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, he's a, it's an interesting one. It really is. Uh, Connor Wong, though, Connor Wong's another good player who's better than I thought he would be. His numbers might not jump out. But he's a major league catcher, and he's a really good defensive catcher. Now, these guys that I'm talking about, would I trade for Mookie? No. No. <laughs> but so, still, I mean, at least you didn't come up empty, I guess. So I hear this a lot, that some people, some players, are just not built for Boston. Is that is Verdugo in that category? Is Boston maybe a little too much no. for him, and that's what's affecting it? No, I don't think it's I don't think it's that honestly because I know exactly what you're talking about and I've you know I, I've seen plenty you know Carl Crawford was not built for Boston you know um, there's other guys who weren't built for Boston but this isn't this isn't that I think that I think that Boston actually is in a lot of ways good for Alex Verdugo because I think he needs to be held accountable a lot. And that's the, what the Boston fans are going to do. That's what Alex Cora is going to do. So I, and he talks about it, how this place is made for me. He said that from day one, if even if he knew it or not, but I, I do think that he can handle a Boston. Like I don't, he doesn't run for the media, um, which is a big part of it too. When he does something, he, he was benched. He, he answered the questions. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's it. I think it's just, Finding his way where he doesn't get benched, basically. <laughs> um, look, I have to ask you this because we just talked about how the reunion that's taking place this weekend. How are there so many Dodger players playing for Alex Cora after this whole <laughs> Houston thing? And look, at the beginning of the season, Justin Turner, we were there. They asked him, and he said allegedly he had a conversation with Alex Cora, you know, before. But it seemed... If all these guys are okay playing with him, then this is done and over with, right? Yeah, well, it's a good question. And and actually, that was one of the things that I, I didn't realize until I was talking to um, Alex about Turner. I was talking about him being a manager, and he, he mentioned this meeting that they had. And then I asked Turner about it. Then I asked Kenley about it. And so one of the first days of spring training, Cora knows this. Cora's not blind to any of this stuff, right? He right. still references it. And so he met with Kike and Turner and Kenley, 
and got these guys together and had that sort of that meeting to, to the elephant in the room. And Kenley, no lie, he told me verbatim, he said, it made me want to cry. Like, it made me want to cry. Like, and that was, and when that happens, that tells you how, A, powerful it is and how necessary it was. Like, you just can't glide over something like that. Because as we know, like, this is, you know, that that 2017 team, the Dodgers, you know, it goes back to Joe. I mean, Joe, Joe wasn't even on the team. And he, yeah. he understood what it meant to his teammates in 2020. And so, you know, so that's, that's a big part of it. And I, I so I, I think that those guys, you know, you had to do that, but you guys also know baseball players, they're, they don't like confrontation. <laughs> no. I mean, they, especially, especially on your, on the other, on your same team. Yeah, it's it's path of least resistance. You gotta, and I've always said this. I I think that baseball is the least political sport because politics are the most polarizing thing you can have, or one of them. And when you have to go into a clubhouse more than you have to go into your own house to see your family and sit next to someone who doesn't share the same political views, well. You're going to bring up politics because you're not changing his mind and he's not changing your mind. So it's like, this is, it's you do everything you can to get along is what I'm saying. And that's how baseball always is. You're a genius, Brad Foe. I, I don't think it could have been better said what you just, what you just said. That totally sums up the whole thing. I just, I've always been curious and I don't know if anybody in the Boston media has ever asked Cora. It seems like he's been the one that, has taken the largest brunt of the whole Houston thing. I mean, I guess Beltran being run out of baseball, you could make a very strong argument, but I feel Cora took much more heat than Hinch did for oh, this. Oh, no question. No question. And, you know, with uh, the book that came out, Evan's book, Evan Drellick's book, you know, came out right on uh, in the middle of spring training. And don't, you know, don't think for a second, you know, like, there's a lot more about Cora in there, you know, a lot of Cora. And we all know what happened, the immunity stuff. And and Cora was just the perfect storm, the guy who wasn't with the organization, who, you know, who didn't have immunity. So, and, and he he did wrong. He And as he said, he did wrong. But there was, there was, a, 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 to chip on his shoulder isn't even strong enough. The last day of spring training, Right before we go to the regular season, out of nowhere, Cora just starts going on this rant and saying, like, basically how I'm gonna manage with a chip on my shoulder. Like, I, I there's a lot of talk. I know I have something to prove, and we all knew what he was talking about. We all because it's again stemmed from the book, right. and so it's uh you know so I do think that he 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 owns it. He owned, the other day, two days ago, he's in an interview. He brought it up again. So, like, he he owns it, but, yeah, there's no question. There's no question that Lunar left the country, you know? <laughs> so, you know, Cora's right in the middle of it, and, and uh, yeah, so I think that he's he's definitely in the, in the crosshairs. Uh, last one, uh, in regards to the, the series, that, that there's actually baseball going to be played this weekend. Well, at least we hope. I don't know if the weather's going to uh, cooperate here, but... I mean, I know you've been saying this. I've seen your tweets. 
the, hey, the Red Sox are running out of time. Are, are the Red Sox like still in this or are they just playing out the, the rest of the games? It really is. It's, you know, they're very, they won the last two against the Astros and they had to. And it's just this, like, and I, I, I you guys know, like, you, you, you live in the same world. You try not to overreact, but a baseball season, this is so hard. It's right. so hard. It's like we like we want to have these like definitive opinions, and it's just so impossible to do. And now we get to the point where I want to say it's over, it's not over. But I do feel, and I don't know how if you guys feel, but you're, the Dodgers aren't in this position, but maybe like the Padres are an example of this. If you get to six games out now, I think that's that's the Mendoza line. You aren't coming back from that. So all it would take for the Red Sox to be six games out is to be swept by the Dodgers. That's what it would take. And there you go. And I think the season's over. So that's when I say, yeah, they're still in it, but it can take a turn for the worst, too. And I know that scratch is right where you guys itch, me saying the Padres are out of it. So you're welcome. <laughs> Well, there especially for Babyface. Any opportunity he gets to shit on the show pods, uh, he jumps on it. Oh, uh, you must uh, love the Tatis thing. Oh, I, I've been I've been saying that for a while now. I mean, there's six games back. The problem I see is, like you said, there's six games out. I mean, it doesn't seem like a huge deficit, but when you're in the wild card, you got to jump so many teams, and that's where yes. it makes it so difficult. And, like, I mean, the Red Sox, they're three and a half games out. But you got you got Toronto, Houston, and Seattle, and all those teams have been playing lights out. So it's, yeah. it, it makes it really difficult for the Red and Sox. One, and the problem now is that you have Houston and Seattle tied, which is a nightmare. You have Toronto sitting in between them. And and I said this. I said, listen, I, I think Seattle's going to run away with the division. They, they play the A's, the Royals, and the Mets. <laughs> Holy crap. Like, this is like, you're welcome. And they're a good team, too. They're a good team. So, I don't know. I'm still – we do the power rankings every week. I, Dodgers, man, like Dodgers. I don't know, like – you guys probably see glass half half empty a lot. I right? do. I do. Yeah. I, How's the bra- the Bravos are all doing? How's, the, see, that's the he, – here's a dude that – he throws so hard, but there is like no movement on his pitches, Brad Foe. And it's like, these are major league hitters. These guys can hit a fastball, even if you're throwing a hundred miles per hour. And it's like, how many years have you been in the league and you still don't have like another pitch? Like you talk about Brazier being taught a new, a pitch in like 10 days. And and he's liked out. So that that's the kind of stuff I, I try to balance the positivity with my co-hosts on the show because, yeah, I do. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop because in the playoffs, like somebody comes in red hot, like the Phillies are playing lights out right now. And yeah. all it takes is for these guys and then the Dodgers to just forget how to hit and it's over. Well, to me, not getting E-Rod was a big deal, right? Like, you think so? Because his ERA outside of the AL Central, he gets lit up. Yeah, but just, I mean, so, I mean, I guess my point is, so Lance Lynn's been awesome, right? Right. So you go into, it's the same thing with the Orioles, I say. Like, okay, you go into a series, who, who are you running out there? Do you feel confident in the guys that you're running out there? And maybe you do, I don't know. I'm like, I just, you know, I would have felt a lot, I feel great about the Dodgers, I do. But I feel even better if if you had at least that other option. Maybe Erod gets hot. I don't know, but 
I think you're all right. I think you'll be okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I need that other perspective. Oh, and, on and by that. the way, oh, we could have an event, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's have an event in Los Angeles. Let's do it. I, yeah, hey, let's, the, the let's, merger of baseball isn't boring and the uh, Bleed Loves podcast, man. Uh, most of, yeah, you get you get Joe there. Like, we're just – like, you guys got to – I just uh, – they're like – I know that Joe and Ashley are looking to do uh, do something. I don't know. My son lives out there, but he doesn't know what – like, you got, we got we to gotta organize. We have to organize this. Talk to Babyface. Set it up. We'll, we'll make right. it happen, Brad. I mean, look, we love having you on the show. We love your honesty. We were looking forward to this Red Sox series because we're like – we, we got to have Rob on the show. And again, for those of you guys, if you're not listening, there's a lot of podcasts. I know you guys all in, in Los Angeles, you have long drives. All right. Listen to us to get the Dodgers and then listen to Rob's podcast to get the rest of, Ma- of Major League Baseball. This is something I've talked about for a lot. I feel the regionalization of baseball. When I was a kid, it wasn't like this. I knew about everybody uh, in all of Major League Baseball. Now I can only speak about the Dodgers. I can't, I can't tell you what's going on with, with the Red Sox or any other team outside of the National League West. Uh, I mean, it's honestly, so I love doing the Baseballs and Boring podcast. I love it. Odyssey, my company, gave me the opportunity to do it at the end of the World Series. And, but it's definitely a challenge because, like you said, if I was just, you know, to do the, like, the team-centric podcast, I so I – I mix in like I can only do Kenley Jansen so many times. Right? <laughs> yeah. I got to mix in like Zach Gallen, or I got to mix in you know someone else. You know, so uh, but you have to build up. You know, and I guess that's uh, thank you for motivating me because <laughs> I, I feel like this is what we should do. I I tell you what, guys, this year doing this, I have it's been so awesome learning about all these other teams and talking yeah. to these other players. I, I love it. I love it. And uh and I and I get to meet guys like you and, and it's just it's just been so cool. No, so we'll we'll definitely do the crossover event, but we want to thank you. Where can our listeners, our viewers follow you on the social medias, Rob? This at Bradfoe is my Twitter or at BB isn't boring is the uh the baseball isn't boring account. Um so uh but yeah, and I will because I uh, don't have the skills to make my own hat, I will keep wearing this hat on every podcast. <laughs> I love it. We love yeah. it. For those of you guys listening on the podcast, Brad Foe is wearing the Bleed Lows podcast gear, and we're very appreciative. Yes. This, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. I know we went way over, but oh, I, no, just, no, I love your great. honesty, man. I, I love that you just – you call it how it is, man. I, I learned it from a Dodgers relief pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Bradford, get the book if you haven't gotten it. It is a damn near perfect game, reclaiming America's pastime. Look, you get it on Amazon. You get. I would love to be able to say go into a bookstore and get it, but they close all the bookstores around me. So just get it online. There you go. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. And once again, a big thank you for Rod Bradford of WEEI. He covers the Red Sox, 93.7 FM. He's also the author of one of our favorite books, A Damn Near Perfect Game, Reclaiming America's Pastime, that he wrote with the ambassador, Joe Kelly. 
Um, I, I really, I love talking to Rob and I love his honesty and he gave us all the lowdown on what we need to know about this Dodger Red Sox connection. It's going to be a reunion this whole weekend. So much so that ladies and gentlemen, we have a correspondent that is going to be in Boston to cover this Dodger Red Sox. That's right. Our budget is going up, everybody. La Reina de Playa Larga is live from the airport right now as she is ready to get on a red eye to go to cover the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Reina, how are you and how is the airport treating you? Uh, it's quite loud here, so I apologize for any of the, the announcements that are going on, but i um, really excited to fly into some rain this weekend, so should be good. <laughs> I, and for those of you that are listening to the podcast and you're not watching it on YouTube, I just want to point out that La Reina is totally decked out in bleedless gear right now. She's wearing her Friend of the Carne Asada shirt as she's going to travel on a plane along with her Dodger gear. So uh, let's get right into it. Let's go ahead. Uh, I'm just going to start off. I know we're going to save our picks for the end, but the Dodgers ended up going four and two on this road trip. Uh, well, not road trip that the three games with the Marlins. And then we had the three games against the guardians, which were a little crazy. So I want to start with the Marlins because it seems both weather, uh, both series had to deal with weather. So the Dodgers had to do a double header on Saturday because we had a hurricane that showed up that honestly, I, I, I know I think you got it much worse than where I was right now because you lost power, but it seemed like from where I was, I only just got rain. Maybe the wind was a little better. I got to say the weather was the storm that we had in February was a lot worse than this hurricane. What about you, baby face? How did you get it? Yeah, I was, I was telling you guys the same thing. I, I remember during February, right? March, there was some rain that, it was pretty bad. I thought, I thought it was a lot worse. Then I got a lot worse rain here. Like here, it was just there was maybe like a five minute where it, where it rained pretty hard. But then after that, and the, the winds kind of picked up a little bit. But after that, it was yeah, just like a normal, normal just rainy day. Just nothing, nothing too crazy. Reina, how long were you uh, out of power in Playa Larga? Uh, for about four hours. So uh, we had a lot of like really uh, high winds, a lot of rain, but it wasn't it wasn't the hurricane we were promised that necessitated, you know, a double another double header. So the Marlins of Miami. Well, real quick, real quick question before you go into that. Do you count? I, I thought it's a lot. Do you count that as a rain out? Because, right, there's been no rain out at Dodger Stadium since like 2000. And some people were saying like, Oh well, it's a rain out now. Like, do you count that as an, an, an official rain out? No, they got ahead of it. I don't count it as a rain out. Right, right. They out? they moved it. Right. That was a preemptive measure. That was not a rain out. That we were not in the stadium. They didn't have to bring out the tarp. That was not a rain out. So yeah, it, I, it still holds. Right, still two thousand since they haven't been you, rained out. You can keep your stat, baby face. I'll I'll even give you a point for it. You get one uh, point for no rain out. <laughs> I, I'm going to go back to the point system in, in a little bit. I, in a little bit, I just want to recap the Marlins series because the Marlins snapped the Dodgers' 11-game winning streak by just giving them a good old-fashioned ass whooping, and it led to Tony Gonsolin. So that's what I really want to focus on in this series. Tony Gonsolin has been put on the IL, and he's pretty much done for the season. Look, man, I Tony Gonsolin has not been pitching well for a while now and this season it, it wasn't a very good season for him i will i want to give him credit though 
I want to give him credit for this. I don't ever think he, I at least never heard him use this as an excuse. From the very beginning, the Dodgers have been telling us or hinting at the fact that there was something wrong with Tony Gonsolin, that he wasn't recovering in time, and that was affecting his performance. Our friend of the Carne Asada, Jorge Castillo, mentioned this. This is probably the reason why Tony Gonsolin signed the contract that he did. I think God, Tony Gonsolin felt something and knew, mm. hey, man, and this is, look, I can't blame players. You know, their career could end just like that on one pitch. So I think he did the smart thing. It's like, I'm not going to get greedy. Just give me what you're offering because I might be done with baseball. I want to at least make some money now. So, look, I, I've been in that clubhouse after Tony Gonsolin has had a rough outing. He has stood there and answered all the questions. He never once ducked any of the questions that he was asked. In terms of his performance, he he was accountable. So, it sucks that his, his season is over. The Dodgers have basically said he is shut down for the season. Look, if he kept pitching the way he was pitching, I don't think he was even going to be in the running to pitch in the postseason. It, it sucks for him. I don't want to sit here and just, especially if this guy was pitching hurt the whole season. Reina, what were your thoughts on Tony Gonsolin? He's a trooper. Like it would be rough to go out there every game and know that you won you're in pain, but you're also not pitching up to the standard that you want. And like you said, not only did he not make excuses, he never said anything really beforehand either. So he just went out there and took it and, you know, good for him. And Hey, he's, he may not have gone deep into games, but he still got us where we are. He's one of those instrumental pieces that got us to this point where, you know, we're on a good run right now, but it's thanks to him. So I'm super grateful to him. Babyface, do you feel bad now every time you said you were done with the cat man, that you're over cat boy, knowing that this guy has been pitching hurt the whole season? Well, I mean, this is it the entire season or does this, this go back to the end of last season, right? Because remember he got yeah. hurt and then he and then he came back, but he wasn't the same. So I mean, if this is something that's going back to last season, it's like what well, what is it right that's kind of been a big secret like what is going what is actually going on with him that is ailing him and how are they going to fix it right 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 now i mean he's still on a contract going into next season so i mean we still haven't heard from last week they said they were going to do tests we still haven't heard anything from 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 then so it's like we need to know i mean what what is actually wrong with tony gonsolin look i i think they're probably going to do they've done this before with other players They'll probably try to see if giving him time off to rest will heal. And then they'll make a decision if he needs surgery to make surgery. I mean, I'm trying, I keep forgetting off the top of my head. There was a guy, well, I think it was Corey Seager. Like Corey Seager waited a while before he got surgery when he was hurt with the Dodgers. And I kept saying like, what is he waiting for? Just go have surgery now. It's not going to get any better, you know, with just rest and healing. So look, the Dodgers know, and look, how many guys had the Dodgers, especially pitchers, have they signed that were injured and they've given them, you know, time to heal on their own. And the next thing we know, they're, they're getting surgery. I mean, it was we, Blake Trinan, right? I was just going to say, we did the same thing with Blake Trinan. He still hasn't had surgery. It was a wait and see this whole time. And what are we at a, a year later, year and a half later? Because he didn't play all last season almost. Well, look, so, I want to get into it now because I think this is a perfect example 
the way they're handling Tony Gonsolin, is this how they're going to handle uh, Shohei Otani next year when they sign him? It's the Shohei Otani show. For those of you, again, only listening to this, you cannot see how bad La Reina rolled her eyes at me right now. Like she, the roll of the eyes was so intense. I think she might have hurt herself. Like for those of you loyal listeners, you guys know La Reina is not on board to the Shohei Otani signing. She it makes her very nervous. She doesn't want to go after him. We've heard the news that Shohei has a torn UCL. Reina, I know we're going to have all off season to talk about this. Your initial thoughts. Are you happy that Shohei is, has a torn UCL because now the Dodgers will stay away from him? No, because I never want anybody to ever be hurt. But this was what I feared happening maybe later. It just happened sooner. So the only thing is it just it does potentially save the Dodgers from ha- having happened what I was what I was worried was going to happen. So but I would never, ever wish that on anybody like that, whether he's going to continue batting or not. That's his personal choice, but like as far as being out pitching, that's that sucks. It's really rough. I, I mean, does it really though distract them from pursuing him? I mean, they might maybe pursue him shorter. They, I mean, we know they they sign pitchers that are injured all the time, right? You know, they have Walker Buehler with second Tommy John. Does Shohei need a second Tommy John? Like, I mean, I still don't think that it's gonna really persuade them from pursuing him. I mean, I mean, some people are thinking though maybe his payday might be a little bit less. You know. I mean, because that's one thing we always discuss is how long would he be able to be a a hitter and a pitcher, right? So if he has another Tommy John, he's out next season as a pitcher, but potentially he could come back in the lineup as a DH, you know, a couple months into the season. But you want to pay that much for a DH? Like, can't we get another DH somewhere else? Like, I just... I mean, personally for me, if, if, if they were to get Shohei Otani, I want the unicorn, right? I want the guy that's doing both things, right? I, 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 really probably don't really want him as just a DH because like you said JD Martinez he's not at that level but he's a very a very good DH right I mean as a replacement right so like I said if 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 the Dodgers got Shohei I kind of want the unicorn I want him to do both I think we're still setting ourselves up for failure because we're going to have the same issues next year that we have this year and Shohei's not going to fix them whether he's uh, a pitcher and a DH or just a DH like we could go get another quality player that will mesh with our team with with the great team that we already have right now like look how well our team is firing on all cylinders I can't wait until the Dodgers sign Shohei and we have that moment in the clubhouse where La Reina has to ha- ask Shohei a question and I'm just going to be standing behind her and go hey Shohei she hates you bro she didn't even want you here she didn't even want you here that's not, I don't hate him. I just don't think he's a good fit for our payroll and for our clubhouse. But the guy is, he's great. He's a phenomenal player. I don't hate him. Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so just to recap, they, the Dodgers got their 11-game uh, uh, winning streak snapped. But they came back and they swept the doubleheader uh, on, on Saturday before they headed to the Guardians. Where, and this is where I want to bring in the point system. I correctly predicted that Thor would have his revenge on the Dodgers by pitching a quality start. It it didn't start off that way. Uh, The game started off and I was like, oh, Thor, Thor's going to have to take an ass whipping here. But Thor settled down and he pitched six innings. He only gave up three runs. And then the Dodgers had a meltdown in the bullpen. 
I know Dave Roberts was very critical. I uh, was criticized for leaving Bobby Miller in, in that seventh inning. Reina, do you have any issues with Roberts leave, leaving Bobby Miller in for that seventh inning, even though everything Roberts has told us up to this point was they were going to look to find ways to give Bobby Miller rest because he's never pitched this many innings before. I think because he said that, like, I don't know why we wouldn't have just kept it at the six innings that he was kind of just rolling through, putting him in. We know that he, when he has trouble, he tends to have trouble. So I just, I feel like we probably could have handled that a little differently. But again, in the moment, I don't know what it feels like to manage a team, like right when that's happening, maybe what he saw was that Bobby Miller could go in. Could we have maybe pulled him a little bit sooner? Possibly, especially with you, you've mentioned before, like Gonsolin, when he was still pitching, had a really short leash. Like, how do we give, you know, Bobby Miller such a long leash? And then something like this happens, too, that just makes you cringe a little bit. Well, maybe now we know the reason why Gonsolin had sh such a short leash, leash is because he wasn't healthy. Uh, but babyface, uh, two-parter for you. Are you still pissed that Thor got his revenge on us because I know you were very upset about this. And what are your thoughts on leaving Bobby Miller out there in the seventh? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt the same you did way you did like when they hit that home run in the first, I'm like, forget it. They're going to, they're just going to light this guy up. Right. Like I sent you guys, you know, the Christmas tree lighting up. I'm like, mm -hmm. they're going to get lit up. And then, you know, he gets his revenge. I mean, it is what it is. Right. I mean, they, they do end up winning that series. So that's all good. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing with Bobby Miller, like it did seem weird that he was saying, we're going to look to maybe cut him back an inning here and there. And then at the end of the game, he said, well, it's they're going to push back to start. So, I mean, but it, but it all goes back to, you know, uh, you know, the bullpen again, right? Like with, with Caleb Ferguson came in that inning, you know, he gives up the lead and then he gives up that home run and, and just put him out of the game. So it's like, that's, that's where I find the issue is like, okay, if, I, I understand, you know, giving up a lead and tying the game, but then coming out of that inning after, you know, being now down 7-3, that's not really going to work for a reliever, especially a high-leverage reliever like Caleb Ferguson. So I think that's where they, they really need to, you know, like hunker down on that. I mean, I don't know if they're going to get uh, other relievers that are going to fit in that role. I know Trinan was mentioned, as, as he bit, bit Robert said, you're probably not going to see him. I don't know if uh, – um, I don't know who else is going to step up into that role because they need those guys in that seventh, eighth, ninth. You know, usually you'd see a guy like Phillips, right? But now Phillips is a closer. Or we'd see somebody like Joe Kelly, but Joe Kelly's on the IL. So they, they need those guys that can just come in and take when, when, when the heat is the, the, the hottest, they could go in and shut down that inning. Look, I don't have a problem with them having Bobby Miller out there in the seventh inning. I want to see how Bobby Miller handles those situations because that's a playoff situation. That's what he's going to see in the playoffs. He's going to see runners on, on base. And what's the one thing he has struggled with this year is pitching from the stretch. I would much rather test him now in the regular season when you've got a 12-game lead. And I, and I get it. Yet you ended up losing the game. But there was also some weird bad luck in that inning for Caleb Ferguson. He had a double play ball that unfortunately was, wasn't hit hard enough where the Dodgers couldn't turn that double play. If they do turn that double play, it's a tie game and we're going into the eighth inning. 
and and it's a completely ball game. The the inning escalated quickly, and all the former Dodgers just came back and just gave it to the Dodgers. Because for those of you who don't know, Cole Calhoun was in the Dodgers minor league system this year and then got traded. So Thor got his revenge. Cole Calhoun gave the Dodgers an FU. And so the Dodgers lose a game. And of course, everyone is losing their mind. Look, guys, you're not going to go nine and one every 10 games. There's going to be a tough stretch. So you end up having basically another doubleheader because of weather. The Dodgers end up sweeping that doubleheader. The Dodgers end up winning that series. They've won seven series in a row, okay? This team is playing well. The only thing we can complain about is the weather, so let's do it. Let's handle this controversy here. Reina, I know a lot of people are pissed off at the Cleveland Guardians grounds crew. There is this conspiracy theory going around that the Cleveland Guardians grounds crew messed everything up, and that's the reason why the Dodgers ended it basically playing a doubleheader uh in on on thursday in cleveland well you're you're hearing stuff that i because i was listening a lot to the the radio feed so i had rick monday and i think tim never on there and they were talking about you hear it it should potentially come from the mlb but but possibly these the guards uh the the grounds crew are the one handling it what for whatever reason thursday night there was a 40 minute delay before even the first raindrop fell so you burned kershaw that night and then today there was a 30 minute, you know, hold up before again, another raindrop fell that could we have potentially even gotten through the majority of the first game. And then the second game before, you know, stretching it out before these guys have to go to Boston and now they're going tired. Mookie Betts even said during the, I think it was the Marlin series, like, God, I hate double, you know, double headers are the worst. Yeah. Now they've done two and they're potentially going to do a third one in Boston. And hopefully the Boston grounds crew handles things a little better than than the Cleveland grounds crew has. Uh, Babyface, where do you stand on this conspiracy that uh, these groundskeepers are trying to stick it to the Dodgers? Yeah, it didn't, it didn't make sense, like, right? The, the first game was the second inning, and I was just checking the score. I wasn't watching it, so I checked up and put up the score, and Dodgers were winning, and Dodgers went, and I'm like, wait, the innings aren't, aren't moving. And then I, I looked in on Twitter and seen what was going on, but, like, yeah, I mean, they said something like 30 minutes. Like, they went, it wasn't even raining. People were like, it's not raining. Like, why are we in a delay? And it, that didn't make sense. And they ended up burning Kershaw. I mean, I don't know if they would have got, maybe they would have got to the fourth or the fifth inning, right? And then they called that game. And the same thing with, with the game today. Um, it's not raining. And it, they're in the ninth inning. All they needed was six outs to complete that game, right? And they either should have just let them play or they should have just called it. I, you know, it's pretty much out of reach at that time, too. So they should have just said, you know what, we'll call it now game over and then we'll come back 30 minutes after the rain delay we'll start the next game i mean it just didn't make a lot of sense i don't and know that it's a conspiracy per se but i just think it you they might need to look into their procedures going forward i don't know that they're out to get us with like kershaw and our other pitchers but it definitely like i don't i don't see that happening in other in other stadiums so babyface didn't you say that the cleveland somebody in cleveland came and apologized to Roberts and the Dodgers for how they handled uh, these rain delays. Yeah, I saw that their GM went into in between the games. They went in and they told Roberts and they apologized. Um, so they they obviously noticed that you know it was a little weird or premature or whatever. Because I mean, even the Cleveland fans were upset that they were they were stopping the game, you know, in in the ninth inning when nothing was really going on. Like 
they were forecasting, oh, in 20 minutes we'll probably get rain, but like they could have finished the game by then, right? Look, I've been at one of these when I was in uh, Chicago in in Wrigley. Uh, there was this was years ago. Um, we were there, and the game it was delayed an hour from start time. It hadn't even rained yet, and they didn't start the game. And then all of a sudden, it just started pouring to the fact where it was like flooding out in the outfield at, at Wrigley. And they ended up not playing the game. So they just never even started it. So I, I, I'm assuming I, we got to get clarification on this. It, did did Cleveland go rogue here? Did Major League Baseball tell them, hey, you know, this is what's going on? But this is the point that it's gotten to with this Dodgers team. They've won seven series in a row. They got a 12-game lead now. In, in the, I think the magic number is what down to 24 now or something like that. It's like this is what we're talking about. This is this is the analysis that we get that we're we're bitching about the weather because this team has just completely it went. I mean, do you guys remember when the Dodgers were in third place? It wasn't that long ago. Then all of a sudden they go on this ridiculous run. And just put the division away. So it looks like we're just going to have more weather talk. This is, it's no longer the Shohei Otani show. Now we're just going to talk about weather. We're going to find time to pitch about weather. So uh, we're going to wrap up because I know this has been a super long episode. Uh, This is going to be now where we're going to transition to our picks. So again, to our listeners, our viewers, make sure you guys get those picks in. Uh, Unfortunately, you guys lost, but there was one winner. So I want to, first of all, acknowledge her because she has taken control over the point system. So Babyface can no longer steal points the way he always does with, no, 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 I said that too. And then I said this, La Reina is on top of it. Not only did a listener reach out to me and tell me, Juan, you were right about Thor's revenge, but La Reina also gave me credit about Thor's revenge. But La Reina won the picks last week. See, that's, that's another reason to be upset at Thor. He messed up my picks. There, there we go. There, there's another reason to hate Thor. How, how dare he mess with your picks? So uh, La Reina gets on the board, but look, the viewers updating the standings, the viewers still are in a, have a comfortable lead. They got a three-game lead over me. They got a four-game lead over Babyface, and they got a five-game lead now over La Reina. So uh, we're getting – look. Don't look now, guys. There's only six weeks left in the season, so uh, this uh, we got to start making some good. Uh, we got to start making up some ground, baby faces. What I'm saying, you and I. So let's start off with the ladies' line. Uh, we're gonna do six games. Hopefully, all six games are played. It's gonna be three against Las Medias Rojas, and then the Dodgers come home and play three against the Serpientes. So uh, let's go to the ladies' line. La Reina, how are you feeling? I'm going to go a conservative three and three only because we're coming off of two doubleheaders. We might be doing another doubleheader while these guys are killing it. They're, they're tired. So somewhere in the middle, I think there's going to be some losses. So, you know, we can, we can complain about the weather. We can complain about a couple losses. I'll go report from the field in my poncho, get thrown out. It's all good. <laughs> um, I, you, ex- I'm going to take your explanation because I agree exactly with you what you just said i'm going three and three as well Babyface, your choice sir so i'm gonna go conservative too but not three and three i'm gonna go four and two i think uh two out of three in boston and then the d-backs are playing a little better after they got healthy when beating up on the padres so they got 
they've they've been a little bit you know a little better but so i think but i think dodgers still take care of business two out of three there and there you have it folks uh babyface once again getting one last jab at the show pods he was able to shit on the show pods twice in this episode but i i do think this pitching situation is going to catch up with the dodgers uh the weather it looks like they're going to get rained out on friday they might get rained out on saturday so you're probably looking at a double header on sunday i that's going to be three double headers in a span of a week i think that's going to catch up so i i la reina explained it beautifully that's why i'm going three and three Viewers, listeners, make sure you guys get your picks in. You can go ahead, reach out to us on social media at the Bleed Lows podcast account, whether it be on IG or on Twitter, X, whatever. I, I'm telling you, it's always going to be Twitter for me. Uh, I want to uh, thank you all. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and to our YouTube channel. You uh, sido su servidor, Juan Ramirez, de parte de mis colegas, La Reina de Playa Larga, Amy Cuevas, and Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.